Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Let's read it together. It says, I will stand upon my watch. This is Habakkuk speaking. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he, meaning God, will say unto me. And what shall I answer when I am reproved? That's an interesting verse because it's a context because remember he said, in chapter 1 he had some questions. God, our people aren't doing right. Why don't you correct them and send revival? And God said, oh, I will. What I'll do is I'll send the Chaldeans or the same people group, the Babylonians. They'll come and they'll rebuke you and then I'll rebuke them. And Habakkuk said, well, that's not the way it's supposed to go. And so here he has a bunch of questions going on for God. And he says, you know, I'm going to go up to my tower. I'm going to watch. I'm going to see how God's going to answer. He goes, because I'm probably in trouble. He says in verse 2, And when the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So he's saying, the, the message that I have for you that I've given to you, it's going to happen at an appointed time. I marked that in my Bible. So he says, wait for it, because it's going to happen. Verse 4 is so important. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. If you mark things in your Bible, mark that. Highlight it. Pay attention to it. It's one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. And we're going to talk a little bit about it today. I cannot do it entirely justice, but it's so very important. All right? I want to preach to you this morning about wait and see. That's what this text is about, wait and see. I'm going to go up to my watch, I'm going to wait and see what God's going to do. And so let's look at it today. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd fill me with thy spirit and help me to preach a little bit today. I mean, encourage your people and equip them and help us all to learn how to wait and see what the Lord has done and what the Lord will do. Well, thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Appreciate you standing. Okay, so it's Christmas time, and so this is an appropriate illustration. How many of you might like my age? And so, you, you're, how many of you remember Radio Shack? Remember Radio Shack, yeah. I mean, no, not here anymore, but when you're a kid, that was kind of a pretty cool place. You know, you go in there, remote controlled trucks and robots and radios and gadgets and all of those kind of things. If you remember Radio Shack, and of course, Radio Shack is no more, it's all gone now. Uh, in fact, it's almost comical. Every once in a while, I'll go knocking on doors and I'll see a sticker on somebody's house, this house protected by Radio Shack. I'm like, yeah. I'm not even sh- One, I don't think it's protected. Two, I don't think I want any of your stuff. But anyway, anyway, uh, do you remember the slogan to their, to their uh, company? The, the, the way they advertised was this, and some of it will come to you after you hear it. Their slogan was, you've got questions, we've got answers. You've got questions, we've got answers. Pretty good slogan, you know? And that's kind of what's going on in here. Remember, Habakkuk had questions. He had some questions. God, why are your people uh, living in such a bad way and you don't seem to be doing anything about it and sending revival? Why is there so much violence in the land? Why is there so much inequity in the land? Why are our leaders not doing anything about this? He, he had a lot going on. And then God said, oh, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send the Babylonians, or the Chaldeans, that's interchangeable, so I want you to understand that. I'm going to send the Babylonians in there, and they're, they're, going, to, they're going to judge you and correct you. Then that created other questions. Well, how in the world are you going to use somebody more wicked than we are to rebuke us of our sin? And so it created all of these questions. But here's, here's the thing that we need to appreciate about Habakkuk. 
it was wise for Habakkuk to bring his questions to God. He had questions about God, so he brought his questions to God. So again, it wasn't wrong for him to ask these questions or to have... It'd be wrong for him to question God in the sense of that he was being antagonistic toward God, aggressive at God, uh, having a, 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 a judgmental kind of questioning spirit towards God. That would have been wrong, but it's not wrong to bring your questions about God to God. In fact, I would say to you, that's wise. That's where you want to bring them. Uh, isn't that interesting? So many times you see with a young person, uh, they'll, they'll be talking to their parents about something, and their parents will tell them, and they'll say, yeah, but my friend said... And it's kind of like, okay, wait, wait, wait a second. You mean you're telling me that you have a 13-year-old limited perspective on life and you're getting your, your, your advice about life from somebody who has no more perspective about life than you do? And you're questioning the person who loves you more than any other person in the world who has far more experience and perspective than you do. And that's what we've all done to our parents and what our children, their children will do to them and their children will do to their children and so, so on and so forth. But that's what mankind does. We have questions about God and where do we go? We go to Google. We have questions about God and so who do we ask? We ask the person who doesn't even go to church doesn't even believe in God. Instead of going to God about questions about God. And so Habakkuk does that. And so God comes to Habakkuk and he answers him. He tells him exactly what he is going to do. I'm going to use the Babylonians to judge and correct. And then I'm going to overthrow the Babylonians. So Habakkuk realizes, at this point, God's told me what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. There's only one thing for me to do now, and that's to wait and see. That's the title of the message, wait and see. And that's hard for us. Wait and see what's going to happen? That's hard for us. Because we have been so conditioned in our culture, in our day and age, to be, uh, we're, we're so conditioned by our push-button world that it's not easy for us to watch and wait. We, we don't want to, to be patient about anything because we're better at talking than we are doing, or, or talking and doing than we are watching and waiting. That, that's what we're better at. I mean, we don't just kind of sit and be still and know that he is God. We, 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 want, we want action. We, we're people of action. We, we want results, and we, we want them now. I mean, think about it this morning. Too often we pray and tell God about the thing that is worrying us. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Isn't that what Peter taught us? Cast all your care, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so what we do is we go to God and we do pray and we do tell God about what is worrying us. In this particular case, Habakkuk was worried about the condition of his nation. And that's a good thing to be worried about. Unfortunately, too many of us, we don't care what's going on in our world. It's like, hey, you know, whatever, man. They're going to do what they're going to do. No, I think it ought to concern God's people, the wickedness of America and the condition of America and where America is going. Habakkuk was worried about Judah. And he said, this is not right. The violence, the lawlessness, the, the ungodliness that's in our world. He was burdened about that. And so he came and he cast his anxiety, he cast his care on the on Lord. But here's the problem. Too often we do that. We, we tell God and we pray about the thing that's bothering us. And, and we tell him, when we do this, we come to him and we say, God, I can't solve this. I mean, think about it. All the things that are out going on in our world, there are things that we're very limited in how we're going to be able to solve them. And so we go to God and we say, I can't solve this. 
In, in fact, I, I don't even completely understand everything that's going on and why it's going on, but you do. And we ask him to deal with it, and we ask him to show us his way, and then the moment we get up from our knees, we start worrying. Now, now think about that. If you do this, you might as well have not even prayed. You have to go to God, leave it with God, and wait and see what the Lord will do. I'll tell you a humorous story. Uh, when I pastored in Long Beach, California, uh, Long Beach is an interesting city it's south of Los Angeles, and, and, and our church was downtown. It was very, very downtown urban ministry. And, and, and so we had, we had a lot of interesting characters come in and out of our, our doors. A lot of homelessness was in that area, and so we just had some interesting characters. There was a lady in our church, she, she came quite frequently, she's kind of in and out, and she, she just had some, some issues, I'll say that, and, and uh, uh, one day she was having service, and I was, uh, the, the preaching was done, and, and there was an invitation time, and she came down to the altar and prayed at the altar, like many do, and she spent some time there, and she was wearing a wig, and when she prayed, she took her wig off and she set it on the altar. And she prayed and spent some time in prayer there. And then when she got up, she went back to her seat and left her wig there. So my assistant pastor didn't quite know what to do. He kind of got the wig and he went back to her and he said, ma'am, you, you left this. And she said, oh, no, no, I gave that to the Lord. <laughs> well, I'm not exactly sure what the Lord was to do with that. And, but, you know, I do think it's a good visual illustration of exactly Sometimes that's what we do. We go to the altar, we lay things down, and we pray, and we, we cast our care upon Him, and then as soon as we get up on our knees, we grab our care and we go with us. And, and, and really, like the proverbial wig there, no, 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 I, I gave that to the Lord. I left that there. And now it's my responsibility not to worry about that, but to wait and see what the Lord is going to do. So here in our text, Habakkuk, he goes to the watchtower. Now, I know when we hear watchtower, we probably immediately think, think of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and their magazine. But that's, the watchtower is an Old Testament concept. If you study in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you'll see that there were watchtowers in these uh, early civilizations, and this is where people would go up and they would look out on the horizon and they would pay attention for enemies and people approaching. In fact, Ezekiel talks about that and says, hey, listen, if the, if the watchman falls asleep and doesn't do his job, and, and people are killed as a result of his carelessness, then, then the blood of the, of the watchman, the blood of the people is going to be on the watchman's hands. But if the watchman is alert and says, hey, pay attention, the enemy is coming, and we ignore that, then, the, the, then our blood is not on his hands, that's on us. And so the Bible gives that, that illustration with Ezekiel, and so it talks about the watchtower and the watchman. Well, uh, Habakkuk says something interesting. He says, I will stand upon my watch. I'm going to go up to that watchtower. And I'm going I'm to sit there, and I'm just going to wait and see. Remember, he said that the Babylonians were going to come, and so I get this image that he said, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't exactly know how it's going to happen, but I, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to see what God is going to do. And I love this imagery that he, he went up to the watchtower. Why? Because what that did is a watchtower allowed you to be up above everything, and to be able to see farther and see greater than you would otherwise. And so I love how he, how he says this. I'm going to go because I want to have a better vantage point. I want to be able to see what God is going to do and how he's going to do it. 
And I want to tell you this morning, that's a great lesson for us. Our faith is seen in our actions and our attitudes after we have prayed. I'm going to say that again. Our faith is seen in our actions and attitudes after we've prayed. So when you see somebody that's, oh, I prayed about that, and they're just as fretting and worried and nervous as they were before, then that tells you something about their faith. It tells you something about our faith, doesn't it? But somebody that is able to leave it there, oh, that's the Lord's, and, and, and be able to say, hey, you know, I've prayed about that, and I believe God is going to do something. I believe God is going to work. And you can see their attitude and their actions after they've prayed. You see, men of faith pray, and then they expect to hear from God. Habakkuk prayed. He went up to his watchtower expecting God to work and God to move. Now, I want you to see this morning from our text, I want to give you two responsibilities to fulfill while you wait and see. So what are you supposed to be doing? What's supposed to be happening after you pray and you ask the Lord to work and move and do? What's supposed to go on in your life in the meantime while you wait and see? Because remember, when we talk about, you know, when Jesus said, hey, occupy till I come. He wasn't just saying take up space and do nothing. No, he's saying, no, stay busy and and know that I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do my role. You you do your role while while you wait. So what what is or what was Habakkuk supposed to do while he was waiting on God? Number one, learn by faith. Learn by faith. Look what what happens here in in the verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Hey, write this vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. And he says, because this uh, vision, this revelation, that's what vision in the the Old Testament is, is yet for an appointed time. They're going to need this message. And and it's going to happen, so pay attention to it. So basically, here's what's taking place in those verses. You get the impression that Habakkuk was fearful of what the Lord might say to him because of his complaining. We saw that in verse 1. So, again, like the military lookout, he goes up and he, and, he, and he goes up and he looks and he listens for any slightest indication of movement. Again, that watchtower. He's up there. Uh, a watchman's up there. He's trying to pay attention. Is there any movement, any rustling in the trees, any, anything going on here? And so he, Habakkuk is on the lookout for God to do something. But what are we looking for at that point? If we are overwhelmed by our own voices and our own fears, We can miss the important sounds and we imagine others. When you think about that, think about military terms, this watchman idea. I mean, if you're living in fear and you're up there and you you, you hear the slightest creak or the slightest rustle, what was it? What was it? And I think some Christians live their life like that. They're They're just overcome by fear. And so the slightest, they misinterpret the slightest sound and they imagine things that are happening that are not. But God was gracious to him and gave him a word when he needed to turn his worrying into worship. I refer you to last week's message out of Habakkuk 1. I know it was a difficult passage, and I don't know that it was the greatest message ever, but I understand the truth of what the text was giving is that it was all about God. And what God did is he said, basically, you need to pay attention to who I am because he taught him in Habakkuk chapter 1. When you behold the glory of God and you believe the word of God, it helps you have faith to accept the will of God. And so here he is, he's sitting up here and he's watching and he's waiting and he's looking for the slightest indication of God to do something. And, and, and so God says, here's what we're going to do, uh, son. We're, I'm going to teach you my word and the message of my word. And so we need to take time while we're watching and waiting to learn 
Isn't that what Jesus told us? Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, right? And so we need to learn in these times in our life. God was teaching Habakkuk, that it, and, and it began, what, what God was teaching him began with his word. So again, I want to tell you this morning, amidst all your questions, and we have questions, I, I'm certain I'm talking to people this morning like myself, I have theological questions. It always makes me nervous when people are like, Preacher, I got a Bible question for you. Because they always expect you to know all of the answers. You know, I mean, we have Bible trivia at our house. I, I, I cannot lose the Bible trivia in my house, man. That cannot happen, you know? And, 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 and I, I, don't, I don't know all the answers. And a wise person is not somebody that knows all the answers, but a wise person is somebody who knows where to go to get the answers. And so notice that God says, Habakkuk, you've got questions. I've got answers. And he directs him to his word. See, our focus amidst our questions need to be listening to God's Word. I applaud you this morning of being in church. That's why the, 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 the pinnacle of every one of our services has to do with opening God's Word. Why? Because I'm trying to direct you back to God's Word. Because while we watch and wait for God to work on the world stage here, while we watch and wait for God to work in our lives, while we watch and wait for God to work in our, in our families, it, it involves learning from Him, learning about ourselves, learning about His glory, learning about His Word. And, and it all drives back to His Word, listening to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Please, please don't ever get bored and tired of listening to God's Word being taught and preached. So I understand we have seasons of life. We have weekends that are harder than others. And I understand that we have health issues that lend to this and that. But I'm telling you, overall, make sure that we're listening to God's Word. Reading God's Word. I hope I didn't bore you talking too much in our announcement time about Bible reading guides and how important that is. But folks, I want you to understand, we've taken pains to put guides in your hands. We've worked on this Renew Journal. Lauren Eckert and Mark Martin put this together and we've used this for the last several years. This is designed so that you can do your devotions and take notes and take sermon notes and pay attention to God's Word. Why? Because we need to be learning by faith as we're waiting for God to work on our behalf. Don't let your mind go to places that are contrary to His Word. So in my Sunday school class today, you know, the Bible is the greatest psychology manual ever written. And it told us so many years ago in the wisdom of Solomon, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the idea there is just uh, very, very much understanding the way we think affects how we feel and how we feel determines how we behave and what we do. And, and listen, sometimes you and I both know that we have adopted ways of thinking that are contrary to God's Word. And we think things that are totally against the truth that God has taught us. And it affects the way we feel about things. And then when we feel a certain way, we don't behave the way that we're supposed to behave. So I'm saying work on making sure that we protect uh, the, the, the issues of our mind. But I want you to understand this morning, God is also pointing something out that's, that's a beautiful nugget of truth in this verse. He was saying to Habakkuk, you're not the only person in Judah that needs to hear this message. Did you notice what he says in verse 2? He says, write this vision, this revelation, this truth down, and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. I believe there's a lot of debate on what that verse means, but after thinking about it and really analyzing the context of it, I think the idea there is as people are traveling by, as they're going by, they need to hear and read this message. It needs to be on these tables where they can see it and they can read it because they need this truth just like you need this truth. 
See what God is saying in verse 2 is he wanted his word to be understood. I love that. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But he said, make it plain. Listen, God's word doesn't do any good to anybody if we don't make it plain to them. You all have been in a service, everyone in this room, if you've gone to church any length of time, have been in a service where some preacher was either impressed with his vocabulary, he was impressed with his ability to be a theological mind in some seminary stage, he was impressed with his ability to divide Greek participles and all of those kind of things, conjugate Greek verbs, and, and, and just was talking in terms of what I call Charlie Brown preachers. Wah, 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 wah. And you could tell on the look of everybody's face. He says, Habakkuk, make this plain. They need to understand this. Do you understand that God put this book together because he wants you and he wants me to understand it? And some people say, well, I can't understand it. Yes, you can. You will not understand everything of what you read, but you will understand some of what you read. And the more you read, the more you'll understand. He said, make it plain. Let it write it on tables so they'll get it. Because he wants you, first of all, to understand it. Then God wants you to absorb it. You know, the Bible talks a lot about meditation. And that, that's exactly what biblical meditation is, is, is absorbing the Word of God, making it a part of you. It carries the idea of digestion. Like when you consume food, you, you chew it up, and it becomes a part of your bloodstream, absorbs it. It becomes a part of your life. You've got to make the Word of God a part of your life. You've got to absorb it. And then he, he, wants, he says, write it down on some tables. He wants to preserve his Word. He wants other people to be able to get a hold of it. Aren't you thankful this morning? And I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable, but I'm so thankful that God preserved His Word and we've got it all these generations later. It's right here. We got it. He says, write this down. Other people need this. I, he, he didn't want this message to die with Habakkuk. It needed to go to other people. And so he preserved it. And then he said, propagate it. Tell everybody everywhere about this message. Notice what he says. I, I, that little expression there, I like that. It says that he may run that readeth it. I, 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 there was a lot of ideas about that expression, but, the, but this is my understanding of it. And he may run that readeth it, meaning either carry it to other people, or as they're going, they're able to read it. And so I envisioned like, like a billboards on a highway. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? You know, uh, you see some big sign and it just says fresh. And as you're driving, zoom, the next sign about, you know, uh, uh, a quarter of a mile down says, you know, fresh apples for sale this exit. That's what I envision God saying. Write this on tables and, and put it out there because people that are going by, they need this message. They, and he says, make it plain. That's a pretty plain message, isn't it? Fresh apples for sale, this exit. Well, I love that because I love pr plain preaching. Yeah, tell me what you, what you want, man. I think that's what preaching is. I think preaching is calling people to a decision. And he says, make it plain. See, plain preaching gets to the core of the message without some embellished style which calls attention to its own showiness. It just is what it is. And so I see not fresh apples for sale this exit. I see, I see Habakkuk putting out some billboards. The just shall live by his 
faith. And as people are going down, they're seeing this message. They're seeing what what God is saying. And God's saying, because the day is going to come, they're going to need this. The Chaldeans are coming. The Babylonians are coming. It's going to come in an appointed time. And they're going to need to know what to do when it happens. The just need to live by faith when this happens. So in verse 3, God tells Habakkuk and the people what he's going to do before he ever did did it. And God, I love that because God is a speaking God, which means God is also a teaching God. Why would he speak if he's not trying to teach us something? In fact, Psalm 86 and verse 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Isn't that what a disciple is? A disciple is a student, it's a learner. So what I'm saying to you this morning, and I'll move on to my next point, the, the part of following Jesus Christ is to always be learning from Jesus Christ. Friend, I'm going to tell you this this morning. Please, please get this. As I wrap up all of these thoughts on learn by faith, here, here's the point that I really want you to get. If you are not learning, you are not following. If you are not learning, you're not following. So, so let's pause for just a moment here because remember that's what plain preaching does is it calls you to a decision. It's not just a bunch of, oh, that was interesting. Never thought of it like that. No, I'm calling you to a decision. What if I cornered you today in the, in the lobby when you come by and you shake hands and we, we, we didn't do all the pleasantries. We didn't just say, hey, how are you? How's your week been? How are you feeling? Hey, how, what's going on? You ready for Christmas? What if, what if I looked at you and got straight to the point? Straight to the point. And I just looked at you and I said, Cole, what's God teaching you right now? I'd imagine most of us would be like, uh, 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 be, be, be good. <laughs> now, what's God teaching you right now? What'd you learn this week? What'd you learn about God this week? What'd you learn about the Christian life this week? Uh, uh, we're supposed to uh, read our Bible and pray and go to church. No, no, you already know that. What'd you learn this week? What did you learn this week? See, if we're not ever learning, not really following. And he says, he says to Habakkuk, yeah, yeah, while you're sitting there in the tower and you're watching and you're waiting, write this down. Get in my word. Learn this. Learn this real good. The just shall live by his faith. You need to learn this. So you think times are tumultuous now. Wait till this hits. You gotta live by faith. Learn, learn this, learn this. So that leads us to our second thing. Number two, we're gonna focus on verse four for just a second. Live by faith. So we need to learn by faith. Number two, we need to live by faith. We need to live by faith. Verse four, you ought to mark it. You ought to highlight it. I like yellow highlighters, so I've highlighted this expression: the just shall live by his faith. Verse four is a key verse of the whole book of Habakkuk. If you study New Testament or Old Testament survey, when you study a book of the Bible, uh, the, the, the teacher is going to tell you this is the key verse of the book. This is the key verse of this book. And in fact, I think you can make an argument that it's the key verse of the entire Bible. In fact, it's quoted in Romans 1.17, it's quoted in Galatians 3.11, and it's also quoted in Hebrews 10.38. One theologian said this, these words may well be the seven most important monosyllables in all of church history. The just shall live by his faith. Here's what God is simply saying. This is why I'm saying it's such a key verse to the whole Bible. God is basically looking at Habakkuk. 
who, who remember, we started out this whole letter. Oh, oh man, what are they going to do? This is so wicked. They, the lawmakers won't make good laws. They won't keep the laws. The people are wicked. There's violence. There's a, ah, what are we going to do? God, ah. And he's worried and he's worked up about everything. And God says, all right, I'll correct that. And here's how I'm going to do it. You're going to do what? Oh, and he's worked up about that. Verse 4, here's what he's saying. And I know you, you're probably not going to like to hear this because you want something deeper than this. But I'm sorry, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what God said. This is what he's saying. Trust me. Now, 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 come on now. Isn't that the entire message of the whole Bible starting in Genesis 1? Let's go to Genesis 1. You don't need to turn there. You know it. In the beginning, God created in heaven and the earth. Now, wait a second. Our scientist friends would say, well, I need more evidence than that. You know what God's saying? Trust me. I was there. You weren't. In the beginning, I spoke, and it happened. Trust me. So he makes man. He fashions him out of, out of the dust of the earth, and he breathes into the, him the nostrils of life, and, and he puts him in a garden to have a dominion over that garden. And he says, okay, we got one rule. One rule. Don't eat of that one tree. Well, why? Trust me. You don't want to do that. Just trust me. Adam couldn't do it, could he? So what does he do? He goes and he hides himself. And God says, well, where, where are you, Adam? What are you doing, hiding back there? You, you think that your, your aprons of fig leaves can cover your mess. Oh, no, no, no. no. Let's go get an innocent animal. And I'm going to make you coats of skin. Because he says in Genesis 3.15, out of the woman's seed is going to come someone who's going to bruise the serpent's head. You know what he's saying there? Trust me. He sets up a sacrificial system. Why do we got to do all this? Trust me. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away your sin, but it's signifying one is going to come, and he will take away the sins of the whole world. He was hanging on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose from the dead. And what is the message that's been preached at Pentecost? Uh, and every street corner and every synagogue and every church of uh, the Christian message is what? Trust me. What do we see that precious little girl in the baptistry today? You know what she was telling everybody? That I trusted Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. And back for me, and back in 1984, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ the same way she did. And God has been saying to mankind ever since his inception, trust me. And man has a real hard time doing that, doesn't he? This is all God has ever really said. When God says, behold, in verse 1, he is opening the prophet's eyes to this truth. Either my life is, is based on faith or it is not. Or excuse me, in verse 4, when he says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. He's, he's opening up his eyes. Hey, pay attention to this. He's saying, listen, you are either basing your life on faith or you are not. Here's the message. When we live by faith, faith in the right object, we are taking the bare word of God and we are acting upon it simply because it is the word of God. I know our world doesn't like to hear this, but I'm not really interested in what they like. The truth of the matter is, is we should believe it simply and solely because God said it. I mean, isn't that, again, the message of the whole Bible. Why did Abraham take his most beloved son, Isaac, trudge up a hill and plan to offer him 
as a sacrifice to God because God said so. It made no human sense. It didn't really make a lot of theological sense. But God said it, and he was going to do it. I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to get out of here. What is the controlling factor of your life? Is it faith, or is it something else? See, some of us, we, the controlling factor in our life is not faith. It's calculation and reason. Now, come on, we've got a lot of different people in this room, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, be funny or mean here. S- some people are not naturally reasonable. You're naturally emotional. You, you don't think with your head, you think with your heart. But some of you are extremely calculated and reasonable people. And everything has to make sense. And that's exactly how you've gotten through life. You have just calculated and reason, and that has gotten you by in most cases. But at the end of the day, it is not your calculation and your reason that is going to save you. It's your faith. Some of you, maybe you're not, you're not educated in those kind of ways and don't have this calculated, reasoning mind, but you know what you are? You're street smart. And you have gotten where you have gotten because you ain't nobody's fool. Is that how you're going to make it through all your life? Some of you, it's your experience. I mean, we like to say it this way. I wasn't born yesterday. And listen, I've, I've, been, I've been a few places. I've seen a few things. I've got a few things figured out. And that's how you live your life. Others of us, it's sheer willpower and determination. I mean, you're just going to grit your teeth and grab your bootstraps, and boy, you are going to plow through whatever is in front of you. But the Bible says that's not the way we're supposed to live our life. The just shall live by faith. I'm asking you, are you willing to stake everything, even your eternal soul, upon his word? So if you came to me today, and I know it's the right theological answer, but if you came to me today and said, preacher, you get up there and you talk about how you're so certain and you're so sure, and you know 100% all the time is what you're saying that you're going to go to heaven. How do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that. I have staked my eternal soul. I have staked everything on what God said. Plain and simple. Listen, I know this might rattle your cage a little bit, but if I die and go to hell, I'm going to be able to look in the face of the Almighty and say, you're a liar. Because he told me that if I would trust Jesus Christ, I would never perish. I'm putting all my eggs in that proverbial basket. Why? The just are supposed to live by their faith. You all okay? And there may be somebody in this room and, and you're thinking, well, I'm going to get to heaven by my sheer willpower. I, I'm going to calculate and reason and figure this out. You need to stop that and you need to trust Him. Amen. Whether you understand all the jargon of Christianity, what saved means and, and what, what give your heart to Jesus means or makes a decision for Christ means, forget all that stuff for just a moment. Trust Him. Simply in my, uh, nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. That's it. That's all there is to it. The only hope I have, the only hope I have is Jesus Christ. There is no other hope.
That's living by faith. He, he means banking your hope on God no matter what. No matter what it looks like. He means banking your hope on that. I, I love, the uh, best way to illustrate, and I'm coming in for a landing, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's living by faith. Be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow down. Why would they not bow down? If they're going based on calculation and reasoning, they should have bowed down. If they're going by their street smarts, they could, they could have done this. Well, we're going to bow down, but we ain't going to bow down in our hearts. That's street smarts. Willpower. I mean, they, they could have said, well, we're not really bowing down. I'm, I'm just going to tie my shoe right here. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done. But they said this, we're putting, our, we're putting everything on what God said. God said, do not worship any graven images. We will not do it. Old king said, well, then I'm going to turn the furnace up seven times hotter. I'm going to throw your skinny self in there. And they said, well, you know, our, our God's able to deliver us. He's able to, this is a classic passage in Scripture. Our God's able to deliver us. But if not, still not going to bow down. You know what he's saying? I'm trusting him. I'm not trusting you. I'm living by faith. Now listen to me. Faith, I love this quote. It's not original with me. But faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. It's obeying in spite of the consequences. And that, that is exactly what these young men did. All right, we, we might burn up. But we're going to do what God said to do. That's all. It's not believing in spite of the evidence. It's obeying in spite of the consequences. When was the last time when we lived our life and said, you know what, I know this might not turn out the way everybody wants it to turn out, but this is what God said to do, and I'm going to do it regardless of how it turns out. I'm going to do it because God said. I'm just going to trust Him. So let me ask you a few questions today. Thanks, thanks for letting me preach a little bit. Question number one is this. What has God been teaching you lately? Are, are you looking around and are you listening for him? Because that's what we do when we worship before the message. God, you got something you want to say. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. What is God teaching you? What is God teaching you lately in your life, through your experiences, your walk with him, your prayer life, your Bible reading, books you've been reading? What's God teaching you about himself and about you and about his glory and about life? What's he doing? Question number two, what is the controlling factor of your life? It's a controlling factor of your life, your own fear and anxiety. It's a controlling factor of your life, your own shrewdness. It's a controlling factor of your life, your faith. Hey, let me ask you this this morning. Are you saved? Do you know that you're going to heaven because you've put all the faith that you have in Jesus and Him alone? And I hope that's you. If that's not you, let me just tell you the just need to live by their faith. And I want to lead you to faith in Christ today. Maybe you say, well, preacher, I've gotten that settled. My eternal soul is resting on Jesus. Yes, yes, then are you living, are you living by the faith, the same faith that saved you? you? You should be living and growing by that faith as well. I pray the Lord will help us today because all of us are watching and waiting. I don't know where, where America's going to end up. I don't know what's going to happen to our society. I know this, we ought to all go up in our watchtower far above the fray of this world and look out on the horizon so that we can see God a little bit more clearly and just watch and wait. And as we're watching and waiting for God to do what He's going to do, let's learn from Him.
I'm going to say, I don't care what they do. I'm going to live by my faith. I'm going to trust him. I'm a, and I'm going to live like it. 